Welcome to season two of Talking PFAS. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. I recommend that you have a listen to season one to catch up on some of the foundational chats we had about PFAS. I'm your host, Kayleen Bell. Today's episode was meant to be a discussion with Dr. Cardenas from California. I'll be bringing you that one next time. Today I've got some breaking news. You'll remember in episode six of Talking PFAS, I had a discussion with Dr. Brett Turner, a researcher from the Newcastle University, who has developed a method for removing PFAS from groundwater and potentially soil using hemp plant proteins. Dr. Brett Turner had applied for two grants with the ARC, the Australian Research Council, but unfortunately was unsuccessful. You'll remember in episode six, he wasn't sure what would happen if funding did not come through to support his work. And in episode eight of Talking PFAS, Senator Brian Burston said that he was confident he would be able to secure some funding for the researchers to keep this research project funded. Finance Minister Matthias Cormann has signed off on a letter to Senator Brian Burston advising that the Australian Government will provide $4.7 million to fund the continuation of two important and very promising research projects by the University of Newcastle researchers Dr Brett Turner and Professor Scott Sloan. The Government will provide two grants, $2.4 million for research into the novel application of nanoparticles to the remediation of PFAS contamination and $2.3 million for research into the remediation of PFAS-contaminated soil and groundwater using plant proteins. The research grants will be administered by the Australian Government Grants Hub. The University of Newcastle has been advised of the funding commitment to these important research projects by the Minister for the Environment, the Honourable Melissa Price. Today's episode will bring you three interviews. The first one will be with Senator Brian Burston from the United Australia Party. The second will be with Dr Brett Turner from the University of Newcastle. And the third will be with the Federal Member for Patterson, Merrill Swanson. We'll begin today's episode with my discussion with Senator Brian Burston from the United Australia Party, who was instrumental in setting up a meeting for Dr Brett Turner with Senator Matthias Cormann, the Minister for Finance. Following my interview with you in episode eight of Talking PFAS, you said that you'd be catching up with Matthias Cormann to try to get some funding for the Newcastle University team that are looking into remediation using hemp plants for PFAS. I'm wondering if you can just tell us what the latest is on that. Yeah, so I was successful in advocating on behalf of the Newcastle University, particularly Dr. Brett Turner and uh, Professor Scott Sloan, who are heavily involved in the uh, research into the contamination of PFAS in particularly the Williamtown area. Uh, We met with Matthias Cormann late last year and they demonstrated to Matthias the progress in the research. So Matthias was very, very impressed and subsequently they've uh, approved two grants worth $4.7 million dollars. Yeah, that's broken into two grants. Uh, specifically, the government will provide $2.4 million for research into the novel application of nanoparticles to the remediation of PFAS contamination and $2.3 million for research into the remediation of PFAS contaminated soil and groundwater using plant proteins. And those plant proteins, of course, is the hemp plants that Dr Brett Turner has been already doing a lot of work on. It is, yeah. They've certainly looked outside the square and they're getting some very, very encouraging results in that regard. 98% or 99% removal. Yes, 
yeah, almost total removal. Incredible. Fantastic. So what was Dr Turner's reaction to the news? He was over the moon, obviously, and it was in excess of what they had wished for. They were talking about $2.4 million and sought the help of politicians that attended the meeting with them in Newcastle Uni last year. And I gave a commitment that I would do all I could to advocate for that amount of money, the $2.4 million, but the government saw so much potential in the second part of the research program that they granted another $2.3 million for that particular research as well. Well, that's a research that I hadn't heard anything about, this nanoparticle, so I will have to talk to Brett about that one. Yes, uh, he's very excited. Uh, it secures uh, funding for another five years. For Brett and his team? That's correct, yes. Well, that's great news, so you must be uh, thrilled with the result. No, I'm absolutely delighted and I'm very grateful to the government for uh, seeing the value in the, the research uh, to date. And uh, Matisse Common has written to me and uh, thanked me for my strong commitment and advocacy for these and other measures to better address uh, PFAS contamination issues. It just shows what even the most minor party can do. Perhaps um, any crossbench senator that can advocate for their particular uh, projects can certainly achieve results if they push hard enough. Well, the other thing too, Brian, is that there are a lot of communities around defence bases in Australia that haven't been allowed to get blood tests. The people have not been allowed to get blood tests. We saw that on Channel 9 with Eddie Meyer's story about Richmond. And I know that there's residents in Western Australia that haven't been able to secure blood tests. Now, it seems the only ones that have got blood tests are those that are involved in class actions. And with 27 defence sites, that number was given to me by a defence person this week, 27 sites, that's a lot of communities that live around these bases that will be concerned about the level of PFAS in their blood. Will you be looking into getting blood testing for all residents? Yes, I've already given the commitment publicly that I'll be taking these on board for not just my local constituency, but uh, also Australia-wide. I'm a sole senator for United Australia Party, and I see it's my responsibility to push those issues at a national level. And I have been travelling around Australia. I have a staffer that is working in Queensland, and I've directed him to seek out the Oki constituency up there and make contact and we'll go from there. But uh, similar in Northern Territory and WA. That's great because Andrew Lamming in his speech in the House of Reps on the 3rd of December last year, he said that the blood testing data is the key longitudinal data that's needed and you need to have a large sample size. So it doesn't make sense to me why the government would limit who can have the funding for the blood tests and who can't. Well, obviously, the um, the bigger the sample, the less uh, margin for error. And I think if they do test all residents around the um, 27 sites, uh, defence sites, and they'll have a very objective and accurate sample. Definitely. And then also, because there's so many PFAS chemicals, we'll have a really good understanding of exactly what PFAS chemicals those communities are dealing with, because some blood tests have revealed, like in Catherine, that the biggest concern up there is the PFHXS one. Anyway, I haven't given up and I'll continue to um, press the government. And if there's a change of government, I'll continue to press the Labor government. Yes, and as far as you know, Brian, is there any policies on PFAS yet? I haven't seen them. No, Labor and the, and the Coalition won't commit to any policy because of the economic factor. 
the cost factor. So I don't think either of them are going to go to the election with any set policy. It'll be a bipartisan policy of no policy. And that's where people have got to make a choice to have a look at who might put their best foot forward to advocate for either buybacks or remediation or whatever might be needed in a particular area. And again, I say I'm very grateful to the government. I thank them for their $4.7 million research grants. Okay, what date is set for the federal election? Is there any? No date set yet, but I think it'll be announced immediately after the budget on the uh, 2nd of April. It'll be announced that week. I would suggest that's going to be the 18th of May. Well, thanks for talking with me. Thanks for the good work. Exciting news for the team at Newcastle who have done brilliant work here. Yeah, I think you've got to be thanked also for your fine work in putting together these podcasts. It's opening up people's uh, perception to what's actually happening there whereas otherwise that might not have occurred. So, yeah, well done yourself. Thank you, Brian. Next is a discussion I had with Dr Brett Turner following the announcement, and also he explains how the funding will be used. Brett, I believe that you've had some good news about your PFAS hemp project at the Newcastle University. Yes, Kayleen. Senator Burston, who's been a, quite a strong supporter of our research, has managed to convince some people in the government to fund the the two grants we missed out on last year. One was the ARC PFAS Special Initiative Grant, uh, specifically looking at the remediation of PFAS-contaminated uh, groundwater. The second one was a discovery grant where we were looking at what parts of the hemp plant were actually the main facilitators for the removal of the PFAS. Okay, so in August you found out that you were unsuccessful for the ARC, but I never got back to you about the official response for for the Discovery Grant. Was that also from the ARC? Yes, yeah, both from the ARC. And last time we spoke, I think which was in November or December last year, and you had not heard about the Discovery Grant at that point. When did you get official notification that you had not been successful? Uh, I think it was late November, early December, because there was, with the change of minister, there was some delay in signing off on the grants and decision-making, so no one was quite sure when they were going to be announced. The change in which minister? Uh, the Federal Education Minister, who is now Dan Tien. And how did you feel, because we never got to speak about that, how did you feel when you didn't get that one as well? That must have been a tough blow. Yeah, pretty deflated, considering we had very high hopes from the start of the year of at least getting uh, the Special Initiative Grant and then maybe getting this one as well. That that would have been uh, fantastic as well, but it was just another shot. So meanwhile, in the background, we've got Meryl Swanson, I think, was out there trying to get funding, but also Senator Brian Burston from United Australia Party. Tell us about your meeting with Senator Matthias Cormann that Senator Burston set up. So I initially organised a meeting back in October with uh, Meryl Swanson and Senator Burston. So they came here to the uni and I gave a bit of a presentation on what we had found and how well the hemp actually worked in removing the PFAS and they were both really excited about it, both very supportive. Meryl introduced me to the Shadow Finance Minister and I had a meeting with the Shadow Environment Minister Tony Burke as well down in Canberra. But I guess there's only so much I can do from opposition and then Senator Burston who has a very good working relationship with Senator Cormann, the Finance Minister, arranged a meeting so I think it was in November 
We went down to Canberra and we met Senator Cormann in his office. I gave the presentation again and just outlined what the science was and what we missed out on and what kind of budgets we were looking at. The meeting seemed to go pretty well. And then we were in the middle of the dinner with my family and the mobile rang and I, I don't normally answer it during dinner, but I, I got up to have a look and it was Senator Burston was on the display and I thought, I'd better answer this. And um, he said, he had a meeting with Matthias, his words, uh, last night, and uh, he'd agree to fund both projects. What was your reaction? Uh, <laughs> flabbergasted. So it's fantastic. There is $4.7 million, which is going to your team, right? Is that correct? Yes. The 4.7 is made up of 2.4 million for research into uh, nanoparticles for remediation of PFAS contamination and $2.3 million for your hemp project for contaminated soil and groundwater. Is that correct? Yeah. So, so the 2.4 was a second grant looking at nanoparticles for coating them with the hemp active component. So what we don't know is what specifically in the protein is the active removal agent. So there are different types of proteins within the, the protein powder for hemp. Each of these proteins are made up of strings of amino acids. So what we're not sure of is, uh, is it the actual protein itself that's doing the work or is there a specific amino acid that we could remove from the hemp protein powder itself to potentially coat on a nanoparticle which will kind of supercharge the removal? How will it supercharge it? Okay, so in a nutshell, things that get removed from solution based on the surface area of uh, whatever it's sticking to. So the bigger the surface area of a particle, the more things you can stick on it effectively. With the plant protein itself, it's natural and as is, and something in it is actively taking up the PFAS contaminants, uh, and then we'll work that out. And then once we do that, we can then try and coat these nanoparticles. The nanoparticles are very small. So when, as you say, if you think of a sphere, when you decrease the sphere, you increase the surface area. So um, the bigger the surface area, the more you can remove. So the, the nanoparticles will be for the groundwater itself, so removal from solution. So normally now that they use, say, reverse osmosis beads, which are doing a similar function. So these beads are, have a specific function or a coating on the surface which interacts with the different PFAS chemicals. It's like a filtration step, but we'll be using these nanoparticles coated with the PFAS targeted coating. So reverse osmosis is using beads. Yeah, they they have tiny tiny little they look like plastic beads. And so maybe wherever reverse osmosis is being used, could this nanoparticle things be replacing the reverse osmosis beads? Am I saying this correct? Yeah. It's one of the filtration steps. So you pump the groundwater out that's contaminated. Um, there'll be some pre-filtration to remove some of the other contaminants that are there or like organic carbons and things like that. And then that will then flow into the active tanks, which will have your targeted nanoparticles in them. It may be that there'll be, and I suspect that this will be the case, there'll be several different, for example, if there are amino acids. So there'll be several different amino acids, which will potentially target the different PFAS chemicals because there are quite a few of them and they're all different chain lengths, different charges. So we may be able to come up with a solution where, say, if this site has PFOS mainly, then you'll need this particular nanoparticle that we've prepared. And then if you've got the short chain ones, then 
you probably go for this other nanoparticle. So that's what we're hoping to work towards. So do you think eventually you might be able to develop a system that could filter out long and short chain? Is that the hope at the same time? Because that's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's difficult. And the fact that there are over 3,000 of these things being discovered now of the compounds, and we're only looking at 23 effectively. Okay, so back to this 4.7 million that changed your day. What will that do for you and your team? So the money will be put into people. So we're looking at putting potentially, say, four, maybe five PhD students on. We are looking at maybe putting on two other postdocs. So this is people that have finished their PhDs that are, have experience running research projects. So the research projects will be split up into, there'll be a groundwater section, there'll be a soil section. So we're looking at actually trying to use the hemp plants as well to take it up out of the soil. And then there'll be the nanoparticle section as well. And coupled with all that is the final destruction. So there'll be people looking at how to thermally destroy each of these things we're using. So if we're using the plants themselves, once we dissect them, we can tell where the PFAS is ending up and we want to then see how can we thermally treat that to actually destroy the PFAS chemicals so they don't enter the environment again. And similarly for the, the hemp protein powder or the final nanoparticles as well. Brett, do you have patents on the nanoparticle remediation removal and the hemp removal? Yes, yeah, still effectively using the plant proteins uh, or amino acids for the removal. It's just a different application. Yes, right. And how many years of research? I, I think Brian told me five years that this will give your team this money. Uh, quite unknown at the moment. I think Brian's thought five, but I think in the letter from the Environment Minister, Melissa Price, to our Vice-Chancellor, promising the money, it said four years. So I'm not sure if it'll be four or five because the second grant was over five years, the first grant was over three. So I don't know if they've just split the difference or they've done it over longer. All right, but at least practically, your team working on this, you, you shouldn't have to worry about money for the next three to five years. Yes, that's right. It's a load off our mind since we are sailing pretty close to the wind in terms of finance at the moment. <laughs> Yes, because last time we spoke and the listeners have heard you say that your funding runs out in February and now we're in March. It must have been pretty tough the last few weeks. The uni has put Glenn Carroll and myself on an extension and for a while just to stop gap till this money comes through. But it was looking fairly grim. We were actually looking at different options outside of the university. I can tell you that. <laughs> it was a worry. It's very good news to know that it is an Australian first technology, isn't it? Yes, definitely. There are other people now getting on this kind of bandwagon. We've got a paper just about to be published. It's going through a review at the moment, the first paper. And I believe yeah, somewhere in the US is starting to look at plants for the removal of PFAS as well. Now we've got a bit of money, so we can now look at trying to find a solution for the people of Williamtown and Oakey and all those other people. There's a lot of hemp products in the health food shops. That's where you found the hemp protein powder anyway and people are mixing it in their smoothies and onto their cereal or whatever they're doing with their hemp products. My concern is if hemp sucks up heavy metals and PFAS. Yeah I would say yeah that is a valid concern and I would say just be mindful of where it's sourced from. I would say Australian hemp is contaminant free. Other countries where they have pollution issues may not be so I would just be taking 
hemp sourced from here locally. Right, that's one way around it. Yeah, there's a lot of work going on um, in biosolids because there's a lot of proteins in them. And I know the the Rhine area in Germany, they had contaminated by accident a lot of the farming land by putting biosolids back on as fertiliser. There's a lot of areas that the government has to look at to close the loops, but I guess, first of all, regulation of these chemicals to stop them further contaminating our land and then get into cleanup. They haven't ratified the Stockholm Convention yet. Yes, you've got to get to the cause of the problem. So you really need to treat everything because these things, they don't degrade, they just move around the environment. You've got some solutions, two unique Australian solutions. Do you think there's any opportunity for this also being an export technology from Australia, your solution? Oh, definitely, definitely. If it works and we can prove it at a trial level, then there's no reason why it can't be exported at all. It also comes down to the thermal treatment, and I think probably we're ahead of the game there in terms of where we're at with the thermal treatment of it. And you're talking about destruction, thermal treatment? Yeah, yeah, the final destruction. Yeah, of any waste products created in the treatment of PFAS. Yeah, the aim is actually destroying the carbon fluorine bond so there's no more PFAS. So I think in a nutshell, that's what we have to do because the things just keep moving around. And if we've got something that sucks it up really well and then you can thermally treat it effectively and we can show that there's nothing harmful coming off when we destroy it, then I think it'll be win-win for the entire world. Thank you for talking with me, Brett, and well done. Congratulations on the grant. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks again to uh, Senator Burson, Senator Cormann and um, Minister Price. For their support. Look forward to doing some really good research. And finally, here's my discussion with the Federal Member for Patterson, Meryl Swanson. I know that you've been uh, very involved trying to get funding for Dr. Brett Turner and the team for their PFAS remediation work at the Newcastle University. Yes, Dr. Brett Turner and Laureate Professor Scott Sloan from the Faculty of Engineering and Built Environment out of the University of Newcastle are doing some very exciting research. It really is quite remarkable when you look at their desktop studies, the level of removal of PFAS they're getting using the hemp seed powder. So, uh, you know, that they are able to upscale is really good news. And I have quietly worked behind the scenes. Uh, I've been to their labs. I've talked to them. I've met with them. I've organised meetings for them in Canberra. And I've also lobbied uh, the government members from my own side just saying, you know, this research is the real deal and we need to, to get behind it. So I'm, I'm very happy. Very happy that they're getting some funding. Yes, I believe it's coming out of the Environment Office. That's good news. And look, and I welcome that. I think it's a good thing. Senator Brian Burston has obviously done some work there, but he wasn't on his own. I've certainly been doing plenty of work on this project myself. As I said, uh, coming from you know a place of opposition, uh, you've got to work in and behind the scenes and lobby and negotiate relentlessly. And that's uh, I've been certainly backing that in. And I think that's you know a good example of how people can work together to get really good results. And, and I am delighted for the University of Newcastle. I always wanted local research on a local problem. And I think it's really great news. Yes, and also like you and I spoke about in our interview in episode seven of Talking PFAS, we spoke about how this could be an export technology from Australia as well. Indeed. I mean, I think I first met with Brett just after I was elected back in 2016 and we started, he started to talk to me about the science behind this and, and I said, you know, this has got the potential to be world's best practice 
and exportable leading technology. We're dealing with very clever people really trying to tackle a huge problem and, and, you know, I'm very supportive of it. So I am genuinely excited about it. Uh, I don't think we talked about his nanoparticle solution, but you've probably seen that. That's got some great potential too. I am aware of the nanoparticle technology with Brett. And as I said, we need our smartest people working on this local problem and it's wonderful and I'm you know looking forward to the research that they'll be enabled to do now. Labor have recently announced 20 million for cleaning out of the PFAS drains around Williamtown area. That's correct. So we've made a joint announcement with the state government. So the federal government wants to work with the state government because there are jurisdictional issues here. Uh, You know everything that's on the base pertains to the federal government, things that are off the base come under the auspices of the state government and the EPA. So working together, we can have a multifaceted approach to clean up. Now, the drains are the primary source of contaminant off the base, and they are the one thing that the community came to us and said, we really want these drains cleaned up. Now, when the EPA did their plan to clean up the drain, it was called the Drainage Management Plan that came out of the New South Wales Office of Environment and Heritage. They wanted to leave the contaminated material on the private property. So they basically wanted to scoop up the sediment and dump it on the, on the properties. Of course, the community said, no way, that's not going to work. It needs to be done properly. And that's what this money will go towards. That What I heard was if Labor don't win state and federal, there will be no money. They have to win both. No, no, no. Whoever wins is going to put the money up. Their allocation of that money, $10 million of that money. We have put aside $10 million if we are elected in May. Presumably that'll be when the election is. Uh, and the state have said that they are going to put aside $10 million if, if Labor takes government in New South Wales. But that federal money, the $10 million that I have promised, will absolutely be there if we take government. Yeah, so the commitment from the state government, if Labor get into the state government, that $10 million is not dependent on whether Labor get into federal. No, it is not dependent, no. Just let me make that really clear. The state government's money is not dependent if we win. Okay, that's good news. Yes, because there is a bit of miscommunication out there. It is good news. We are good for this money and if state win, they'll be putting up their 10 and if we win, we'll be putting up ours. They are independent of each other. Two quick other things. I wanted to talk quickly about policy because I have interviewed Senator Brian Burston and he has told me that Labor and Liberals still don't have any policies regarding PFAS. That's categorically not true. We do have a policy. We haven't yet released it, but we've actually been working quite hard on our policy and it will be released during the campaign. Right. Do you have a separate PFAS policy that you're working on? We absolutely have a separate PFAS policy that we are working on and I'll be able to give you more details during the campaign when it's officially released, but we have been working on it for a long time to make sure we get it right, taking into consideration all the things that have been happening around the science and the technology and around the world. We want to be we want to be world leaders on this. Okay, and also did you take into account the Joint Standing Committee's findings from the parliamentary inquiry into PFAS? Yes, of course, we've been considering those findings. Yes, that's all part of their policy. Just wanted to just quickly talk about blood because I also put this question to Senator Brian Burston and I'd like to put it to you. I spoke with somebody from Defence this week and they've confirmed there's 27 Defence sites being investigated for PFAS. 
And you would have seen on the news perhaps Eddie Meyer's story on Channel 9 about the Richmond community. Yes, I know. I'm aware of the Richmond community. Uh, Susan, Susan Templeman is my colleague who represents that community and I've been in contact with her this week. She was seeking some advice from me on uh, how I've handled it in our local area and, and she's, uh, she's doing a good job down there and I am aware of that community's problems. The question I'm asking is more broadly though because they've been having trouble getting blood tests as uh, I've heard in Western Australia as well. My question is... There are communities that are not involved in the class action that are around defence bases that seem to not be able to get any blood tests. And I'm wondering if you'll be doing anything to help uh, in government to help these blood tests become uh, more broadly available to anyone living near a PFAS contaminated zone. Look, I think that's something that we definitely uh, will discuss more about when we launch our overall policy on PFAS. My personal opinion is that blood testing is definitely a prerequisite. Mr Andrew Lamming's comments in the House of Reps on the 3rd of December last year, he said that the, that the blood test results was the key longitudinal data and you need to have a large sample size. Kayleen, I've been saying that since before I was elected and in fact that study, the epidemiological study, came from it came from me because when I was a candidate, I was calling for that. We called for it from opposition and the government matched our policy. I have been absolutely campaigning for that longitudinal study. And it's not that, you know, you want your community to be guinea pigs or any of those things. But if we are going to get absolute data that we can start to look at and make it meaningful over a long period of time and really try and get some science behind what's going on with this chemical in in our local community and and in our local people. We need to collect data. We need to have a baseline position. And I said this all along. I know that one test is potentially not enough for people, but you need to at least get a baseline level so that people know. And, And at the time, I've got to tell you that members of the government fought me on this and said, well, what's one test mean? That doesn't tell you anything. What it gives you is a starting point that you then have a reference point as you go further down the journey of this and potentially have more tests. But at least you know at that point in your life that was your level. And as a community and as a scientific community, we can start to collect data that is relevant to this so that we can form you know, a meaningful cohort to contribute potentially to research not only here in Australia but overseas as well. I have long been a proponent of this. I totally believe that the science is critical to this. Okay, so you'll be continuing to fight at the federal level to make sure that blood testing is is paid for by the government where people live in contaminated areas? Yes, I will be. This is the last question. I know there'll be residents, of course, who'll be saying, it's wonderful you're cleaning up the drains. I'm looking at Facebook comments about the announcement. I'm seeing some positive responses and, of course, other people saying it's not going to help the residents stuck on their properties. I've asked you before if there will be money for buybacks and what Labor's going to do about buybacks, but I have to ask the question. Yeah, sure. This is the first step. We're going to have more to say about this. It is a really massive and complex issue and I think as we travel down this journey, we're seeing more and more just how big and how complex this is and you, as much as anyone, will be seeing this as you do more and more research across the world. We can't do anything else for people until we did these drains. It was absolutely part of 
the first steps. We've also got the class action underway and we have said that we will be model litigants. Richard Miles is on the record as saying everything is on the table if we are elected in May, which means that he will communicate with those people in that class action. Richard Miles is the Shadow Minister for Defence in Australia. So I'm saying to you everything is on the table. Okay, and what did you think of uh, Mr Andrew Lamming, the former chair of the committee's comments in the House of Reps? I thought he gave a good account of the accuracy that he heard and saw at the inquiries. I sat with Andrew on that inquiry. I welcomed his comments. I hoped at the time that he had the backing of the government and that he wasn't being a maverick. You know, I'm yet to see whether that's the case or not, and I do hope that they, you know, really do some good work on it. You know, if they don't, we're going to. For the first time, we are doing something in the community rather than on the base, and we have started the the long journey. The first step has been taken, and that's a positive. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please download and share so more people can hear this. Next episode of Talking PFAS, I'll be bringing you a discussion I had with Assistant Professor of the University of California, Berkeley. His research has found an association between PFAS chemicals and obesity. So we found that PFASs in in blood uh, are associated with weight gain over time and over a long period of time too. However, we see that exercise and diet, so this is a lifestyle intervention of exercise and diet, was able to attenuate this weight gain that is associated with, uh, with this PFAS exposure. All the information and audio in today's episode is copyright. Please contact me for permissions. Thank you.